Hello bisexuals, welcome back to another episode of the Bisexual Agenda. This is my third attempt recording this. I think my brain has been melted by the fact the sun has been out the last few days. But I am back, we have a new episode. I'm talking to Susie from the Queer Book Club. Book Club is actually on tonight, so if you're in Leeds and you've read Maurice, you should check it out. And I'll link everything you need to know there on Facebook and Instagram. And Susie is a triple Taurus, if I remember correctly. She's also a printmaker, and I'll link to her website and her Instagram and her Etsy. And um, we're talking about some of the books we've read at Book Club. I'm just talking about my like mammoth mountain of YA romance I've been working through recently. And it's just great fun, bookish time. Message me if you have any good book recommendations that you think we'd like. You can find the podcast on Instagram at the Bisexual Agenda pod. If you have any ideas for episode themes, I'm always looking to get some inspiration into my dusty brain. I hope you like the episode. I hope you're having a great day, a great month. March is always the worst month of the year for me. I don't know why, but I think it kind of has something to do with why I'm always beefing with Aries and Pisces, just as a concept, not ever on a personal level. I hope Daylight Savings has been revitalizing and re-energizing for you, and I love you. Hope you like the episode. Welcome back to the Bisexual Agenda. We're doing this episode back to front. And last time we were talking about how we wanted it to be spring and now it's literally like fake summer. So how did that happen? Snuck up on me. It's global warming. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, there's book club on Monday and I think this will come out on Monday. I was wondering if you could tell people the origin story of the queer book club. Sure. Um, The book club's been running for, I can't even remember how long, five years, something like that. And it began because... My friend Ray and I, Ray, who is one part of the bookish type uh, team, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, bookish type being a wonderful queer bookshop here in Leeds. Uh, Ray and I had just been to see Carol <laughs> as part oh of the yeah, beautiful. It's part of the Leeds International Film Festival, and obviously we adored it. Um, and then we said to each other, "What if we read The Price of Salt, the Patricia Highsmith book?" Mm-hmm that Carol is based on and make a little book club of reading The Price of Salt. And then we did. And then we decided to read another book after that. And uh, I think maybe the third book, we decided to invite some other people and we did a very poor job of it. And we managed to get one other person who's my friend, Sarah Joy. She was a real one. (laughs) I miss Sarah Joy so much. She has moved to Manchester where she makes um, wonderful sapphic quilt art mm-hmm. incredible and uh yeah and then we we just did a terrible job of advertising it so we just would add one new person at a time <laughs> uh and then we got ever so slightly better at um social media and more people came along and um yeah i'd say we're, we're going strong years later 
there's always a core group of, of people who read every book and then people who pop in and out, which I think is is wonderful. And uh, yeah, um, we're the last Monday of every month and uh, we've been meeting on Zoom throughout the whole pandemic period and it's honestly been wonderfully sustaining having book club to look forward to. Yeah, and we've we've made it work in a ramshackle, slightly disorganised kind of a way. <laughs> it has worked very well. And yeah, it was the same for me. It was like, oh my God, here's a group of people that aren't my colleagues. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, I can make gay jokes without people feeling mildly uncomfortable. You can make all the gay jokes you want. <laughs> I mean, around straight people, it goes one of two ways. And half the time they think you're being homophobic, which is quite funny. <laughs> at queer book club we understand the context we know where you're coming from yes and also I feel like a lot of stories start with Carol because me and Amelia became friends because we like went on a few dates and then we went to see Carol and Amelia was like by the way I'm dating this guy called John and I was like oh guess we're friends (laughs) (laughs) and we've been friends for many years oh I didn't know that story it's quite funny. The whole time I was like, I don't know what I should do. I don't know if it's friends or dating. I don't know what's happening. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess I guess it's friends. So you were in an extremely familiar situation of like, is this friend vibes? Is there something else? What's going on? And then somehow Carol resolved it for you is what I'm getting. Exactly. Yes. You should go and see a very romantic gay film with someone to work out if they fancy you or not. <laughs> and it works well. Yeah. Yeah, I, the thing about book club is um, queer literature has always been super important to me, as it is for a lot of other LGBT plus people. Um, you know, I think starting when I was a queer youth and didn't know any other gay people, and I approached being queer as kind of a research project. Yes, very um, nerdy. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is very in keeping with my general character. Um, so I would just look for any media with with queer people in it um and obviously books were a huge part of that and uh and then I went and did a literature degree so here I was talking about books with with you know people who were also into books but there was always this element missing of um talking about how a book made you feel about yourself how a book reflected on your experiences specifically queer experiences and um so to sort of wrap that up, um, Queer Book Club is a place where we can talk about a book for its qualities and we can get into the writing and we can get into sort of the technical nitty gritty of how the book's put together. But also we can talk about how it makes us feel and uh, how it makes us feel seen as queer people. Um, Beautiful. We love it. And I just think that's very necessary and sustaining. <laughs> yes, um, and it's nice to have a book club that isn't like, who's the smartest person in the room? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've always found that the atmosphere of our meetings just really chill and welcoming and, and patient and open. So I don't know how we've managed it, but we definitely, but we have, and I'm grateful for it. It's good vibes. I mean, people who like books and people who are queer the like Venn diagram is like you're usually quite chill and nice yes I would agree (laughs) and I really like the poetry one I thought it was so sweet I was like oh my god I haven't been read to for like 10 years how nice is that yeah (laughs) it was so nice so yeah so we do poetry um every February and um 
we just collect together a shared doc of poems that we like the look of, and then we meet and we read them and then we talk about them. And it's very tender and sweet. That's beautiful. Am I allowed to say the word tender, by the way? Someone was talking <laughs> Um, <laughs> that there's like a whole discourse about being a tender queer <laughs> and I was like what you know miss it it's okay I, th- I not to be extremely rude but I think we're too old for that <laughs> <laughs> oh thank goodness <laughs> I don't think we have to worry that is like someone I follow my Instagram crush who I'm obsessed with wonderful um they do like a stand-up thing about tender queers so I can send that to you and you might get it do you want to talk about what books you've been reading sure yeah you know I was trying to think of some books that we've read in book club that have Mm -hmm. really affected me in my feelings um (laughs) and uh yeah so I've just pulled a few um the first one I thought of is a book called Less by Andrew Sean Greer Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a comic novel but it also yeah um maybe have a lot of emotions at the same time <laughs> uh it's about this um this guy called Les that's his surname and uh he's a he's a failed novelist and he's about to turn 50 and he's having a bit of a life crisis and he goes on this worldwide journey like staying with people and teaching classes in different countries and getting into hijinks and messing up and um he's just this hapless guy but because he's pure of heart <laughs> Everything sort of works out. A lovable buffoon. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I was, like, I was laughing and crying. I truly was. <laughs> laughing and crying. Sometimes that does happen and you're like, wow, like one of my reviews on Goodreads was just like, this made me laugh and cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, a, it's just a perfect comic novel of the sort that I didn't think was written anymore. So yeah, less Andrew Sean Greer. Andrew Sean Greer, that also, by the way, is a, is a fitty. So, oh, I'm just looking at his cover, his author picture right now, and I'm like, I'm gonna Google. That's some double. Oh yeah, he is hot, right? He's got a very rectangular face. Yeah, he's classically handsome. He's a, yeah, he's a classic literary um, hunk. Love. Mm-hmm. I love it when you look at the author picture and you're like, oh, they're hot. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm really paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we can be shallow. Um, In my uh, annual Christmas book club quiz, I usually do a round of like, who is this sexy author? (laughs) Oh my God, I love the quiz. The quiz was like how I started coming to book club. I came came to the quiz that was like, um, it must have been just before lockdown, Mm. like 2019. And I was like, this quiz is so hard. But then I was like, no, it's because I have not read any of these books because I don't go to book club. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a difficult quiz. But if, yeah, if you've been to book club, then it's, so people either get three or 82 of the quiz. Yeah, literally. And the first time I think I was one of the people that got three. And I was just like, I'm really lost here. And I was like, damn, I really don't know queer books. And then when it was online, I was like, this is perfect because I'm terrible at like, getting to things that happen after work because I'm like well I need to cook dinner what am I better do <laughs> like, so, always cooking dinner during book club zoom is delightful you'll just like go away and then you'll come back and be like a shepherd's pie 
<laughs> oh my god and I always remember it's like one of my most favorite cringe moments is when I thought I had muted myself but I muted everyone else was talking to Olivia about my lasagna <laughs> I remember that. It was uh, delightful. Oh, God. It's okay. It's like one of those cringe things where you're like, it could have been much worse. It's actually fine. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> anyway, I want to hear about lasagna. Oh, I haven't made one for ages. They just take a long time, but it is worth it. Yeah, I don't um, think I've, I literally don't think I've ever attempted a lasagna. I, I think I made my first one for a while like in the first lockdown because I was like if I've ever got five hours it's right now and it turned out really nice and then I made like a load of different lasagnas that winter but now I'm just like I can't be bothered but now it's not really the time for lasagna no spring is here and lasagna season is receding (laughs) yeah that's what we should just call winter now (laughs) (laughs) yeah works for me Okay, all right, next book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to bring up uh, kind of a whole series of books, really. So uh, we've been reading Becky Chambers' mm-hmm. books. We love. Um, Becky Chambers writes sci-fi novels. So um, I'm just going to read out the titles of this main series that she writes. This is called the Wayfarers series. Mm-hmm. Um, so the book that we read is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, Subsequent books in the series are called A Closed and Common Orbit, Record of a Spaceborn Few, and The Galaxy and the Ground Within, which just came out. I can never remember what the titles are exactly, but I really, she's good at titles. Um, yeah, I can never remember what they are to the point that I just bought the last one for the second time. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I haven't read this one. I'm so excited. And then it came and I was like, this is awfully familiar. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm sure you'll find someone in book club to to give yeah, you. I've gifted to Amelia. Oh, well, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, I really liked those. That was one where I was like really surprised by how much I liked it because I don't like sci-fi isn't something I like would seek out or think that would be like my type of thing. But then I really loved it. Yeah. So we read the long way to a small angry planet, which is it's um it's about a spaceship. And the crew of the spaceship, and they're on this long mission, and stuff happens in terms of, you know, space drama, um, but also interpersonal stuff within the crew, and also the aliens who have different, you know, uh, ways to do relationships and ways to do gender, and um, yeah, and everyone's basically fundamentally good, which I think a few people in book club were like, everyone's so nice, I hate this. <laughs> It was very, like, low conflict, yeah. but in a nice way. It was, for me, it was exactly what I wanted, you know, mid-pandemic. I was like, everyone's being fairly decent in space. <laughs> Why can't we all just get along in space? Yeah. <laughs> it was really sweet, and it was, like, a very interesting way to do, like, a queer family story, because that's kind yeah. of what it is, like... Mm-hmm. I liked that it was called a space opera. I've, like, never heard of that. I'm sure that's, like, a common thing that people know, but space opera sounds cool. It does sound cool. Who's your favourite character? Do you remember? Dr. Chef. Oh, yeah, Dr. Chef! Dr. Chef, who I love, because I love food, and I I feel like it's really rare in books to have descriptions of food. I'm like, I don't care what colour their eyes are. Like, tell me what this sandwich is. <laughs> like, So it was really cool, like... All the alien food. I really liked it. 
And it was like, he was a weird character because he was basically like, my whole planet are like soldiers and we just like went to war for a million years. But like, I didn't really like that. So now I'm just a chef and like, I just want to live a chill life. Yeah. And he's like this big, like space walrus with like many legs. I basically imagined him looking like Sully from Monsters, Inc., but with like a shell. Fair. Yeah, I just, like, it was one of those books where I was like, I'm really not sure what any of these people are going to look like, but I'm going with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking now, the descriptions of food were really good. I mean, if if a book gets food right, I mean, it'll... Did you ever read the Red Wall books when you were young? Mm, I don't know. What were the, like, titles? Oh, it was just a whole series about, like medieval times but everyone was like a creature so it was a bunch of badgers and foxes and people hanging out that's cute no i didn't read that there'd be a pause halfway through the book for a feast (laughs) oh my god love it and the descriptions of like the like fruit tarts and the like just the the roast veggies and just dish after dish after dish you know it was just absolutely so mouth-watering i cannot remember what else happened in those books like a like a badger chef being like, here's a blackberry tart. <laughs> That's so wholesome. I and love if, it. And if you run into anyone else who read these books when they were a kid, you'd be like, do you remember the feast scenes? And like, their mouths start watering. <laughs> so yum. Yeah, no, love it. I love those books. I thought they were really sweet. And they were very emotional. Like, even when things are low stakes, things can be, I don't know, you can get invested in things without there being, like, the kind of, like, standard arc of like now the bad things happened and we have to resolve it um do you have a favorite character from the space books um i think about sissix pretty often is that the hot lizard the hot lizard exactly (laughs) (laughs) um i just love how sissix is just she doesn't want to wear clothes but humans are like you should really wear a little pair of shorts to make us comfortable (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when you get to visit her planet a little bit later on, it's just people have these very complicated relationship structures in terms of how, like, kids work and in terms of how, like, sexual relationships work. And um, I just thought it was super interesting. It was cool. I like the stuff about, like, parenting. Because it's true, like, if you're going to make up a whole imaginary world maybe their relationships and their family dynamics aren't the same because it would be kind of weird if it's like this is another planet but they have mcdonald's and they have christianity and they have the family. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean in terms of sci-fi for me what i find most interesting is the sort of anthropological sci-fi mm-hmm. like ursula Le Guin is really wonderful at that kind of thing a lot of her stories are okay here's humans but we've changed a couple of variables and then we're going to see how society mm-hmm. plays out. Um, you know, some of her simpler stories are, you know, here's humans, but they're on a different planet and they have these four person marriages. How does society structure itself around that? Those are some great stories, by the way, there's lots of drama. Um, and uh, the good stuff in the Wayfarers series is, is along those lines too. It's like, mm-hmm. What if humans, but giant sexy lizards, and they <laughs> do their relationships completely differently? Like, how does that look in a day-to-day life of this character? I find that fascinating. And it's interesting that they, like, all act- interact with one another. It's cool. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I find that totally fascinating. You know, all this hard sci-fi stuff with, like, spaceship battles and stuff, I don't find it very interesting. I feel like the same way about, you know, spaceship battles as I do about car chases and movies, I'm just, like, <laughs> just not paying attention. It's just so uninteresting to me. How people interact with each other is far more interesting. <laughs> You're like, I want to people watch on the other planet, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Do you have another book in your pile? Yeah. So one of the books that is really lodged in my heart that we've read during book club is, uh, I've just realised that the title is America is not the heart, which is why I said the word heart just now. So yeah, um, it's by Elaine Castillo and it's called America is not the heart. Um, and it's a book about basically Filipino immigrants to the US. Mm-hmm. It's three generations of this family. And the middle character is is bisexual and has this very sexy relationship with um with another immigrant when she gets to the US. And um and it's just there's a lot of there's just a lot of love and a lot of pain and a lot of people doing their best to live with each other. Um and also there's some really great descriptions of food. <laughs> so the food that they make once they come to the US is just mm. described in just absolutely tantalizing ways. And um this is not a spoiler, but the really the final scene of the book is these characters who have been struggling to get on, they just like sit down and eat some food together. I think it's I think it's kind of a noodle-based dish. Mm. And then they just eat noodles until they're sick. <laughs> But in like a joyful way. <laughs> like emotional processing. How about noodles? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, <laughs> I actually lent this book to my mum. Which, considering how many sex scenes there are in it, wow, brave. <laughs> but I think I just thought this is an incredible book. Yeah, I can actually sort of tell the books that I like the best because I can't find them on my bookshelf anymore because I lent them to people. <laughs> Yes, I do that as well. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll lend out my very favourite books and I will literally say, if you do not like this book, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> You're like, just lie. Just lie. Or don't say anything and we just won't bring it up. <laughs> it's like when you show a film to someone and they just text the whole time and you're like, a bit of my soul has just been crushed. <laughs> It's it's so painful. One time I lent one of my favourite books to a friend and she said, I just felt like not much happened. And I was like, I could strangle you with my bare hands. <laughs> not much happens. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I had to introduce the caveat of like, don't tell me if you don't like it. I think that makes sense. Shall I do my stack? I would love that. Yay. Okay. So I'm not talking about book club books, but I feel like this whole thing was set off by when we read One Last Stop because someone was like, I want a book that has makeouts in. And I was like, I've heard a lot about this one. Oh, someone said that? I said that. <laughs> I didn't want to like drag you in case it wasn't you. <laughs> no, it's definitely you. Um, but yeah, I really like that one. Um, and... I don't know, like, it set me down the path of, like, hey, this is, I've cracked the code. I love queer books, but a lot of queer books are very, like, traumatic. But if I just read queer romance, and especially, like, YA, nothing bad is going to happen. And everything's going to be great. So now I've read, like, 12 in a row. I love that. 
I love that view. It's great. But now I feel like I kind of reached a saturation point because I've got to the point now where I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of like this one because there are definitely some like tropes, like the fake dating, the enemies to lovers, that kind of thing. All of these classic fanfic tropes. I love it. I know. I'm like, damn, I think I should have read fanfic. Like, how was I on Tumblr for like 10 years and I didn't read fanfic? I don't know how. (laughs) I think I just found it cringe and I was like never on board with the pairings. I'm like, Harry and Draco, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. mm. (laughs) For some people it really does, but I don't know. And also they were like very sexual and like often not very well written. But I'm sure there's like actually good fanfic out there. And there are books now that are literally just like fanfic made into a book. Because like that's what Twilight is. Yeah. And there's also good versions of that as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Twilight Burn. Very cool. <laughs> um, I've, I've never read Twilight because I'm too scared. But yes, after one last stop, I read loads. And I've just like selected some of my... Some of the ones I really liked, but that also, like, each cover a different thing. Hit me. Hit me. So, Love and Other Disasters is a great one because it is basically, like, what if there were queer people on MasterChef and they fell in love? <laughs> and I really like that. Wait, how are the descriptions of food? Um, I'd say they were medium. Okay. They were making a lot of American stuff that, like, I haven't had. Mm. But maybe you have because you live there. Like mac and cheese? Like um, sweet potato pie. Oh, with marshmallows in? She makes a nice soup. There's like a nice chilli and chocolate cake that is made. Okay. Anyway, Um, what's the plot? (laughs) The plot is, so there's recently divorced bisexual femme, and then there's non-binary chef icon. And I've also realised in a lot of books, always one of them is extremely rich. So, yes. Um, and their name is London Parker, which I I love the names in these books. <laughs> London Parker. I just love it. But yeah, they're filming the show in LA and it's like half about the show and then half about them falling in love. And I was just like, this is easy breezy. And this was also like the first non-YA book I read because I was like, oh my God, they're having sex. What the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> it really took me by surprise. Did you... Um, come over all the flutter i was just like what are the sex in this one <laughs> uh, and it was so funny because when i was reading the goodreads reviews loads of people were like stopped reading on page 98 and i worked it out it's because someone like sucks someone's toe and like loads of people were offended by that <laughs> really so i thought that was really funny i mean there are some problems with it like no neither of the characters have any friends it's just like not even their their family. Funny best friend in classic rom-com style? No. No? Okay. Um, um, and there's kind of the whole, like, oh, I'm so sad I got divorced from a man. But I'm like, that doesn't sound that sad to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that bit wasn't, like, grabbing me. But it was good. It was fun. Okay, so um, Love and Other Disasters. Who wrote that? Oh, Anita Kelly. Anita Kelly. Okay. Yeah. I'll remember to actually say the names. Good plan. And then Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. I like this one because it tells you the star signs of both of the main characters. <laughs> and one of them I guessed correctly. Nice. Um, and it's basically about this overachieving PhD astronomer 
who goes on a night out to celebrate her graduation and ends up getting married in Vegas (laughs) to a podcaster. All right. (laughs) Um, And then she like goes and stays with her in New York. But I really like this one because like the romance isn't the only storyline. Like there's a lot of stuff about her family and her friends. And I thought the friendship dynamics were like really interesting. And it has a lot of stuff about mental health in it. Mm -hmm. Um, the only downside is her dad is in the army and he's a colonel, but my brain can only read things phonetically. So I'm just like, colonel. Or colon L. <laughs> so I was like, why does she keep calling her dad colonel? I hate it. At least he's not a lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I really like that one. And the main character is a black woman and it has a lot of stuff about like, her being like underestimated in her field and like she's a Virgo so she has all this perfectionism um and like burnout issues so if you're a Virgo perfect one for you to read <laughs> love it okay honey girl Morgan Rogers Morgan Rogers yes it wasn't quite mushy on the romance though so if if you can't handle that you deal with it <laughs> <laughs> And then one I read really recently is Felix Ever After by Kaysen Calendar. I think I'm saying their name right. Um, and wait, I'm going to turn my camera on because it has like flowers. Oh, gorgeous. On the thing. Oh, on the, the, the forage of the actual book? Yeah. Pages. Wonderful. I mean, I've seen, I've seen this book at the bookish type and I thought that looks gorgeous, but I didn't realize it had edge painting too. It's really cute. This one is about Felix, who is, like, trans mask. It's basically kind of just, like, drama happening between these students and art school in New York. Mm. And I like the setting, and it felt like, I don't know, there was a lot of drama, but in a way that felt like these are things that could happen in kind of, like, a teen TV show way. But it is very, like, heavy on the transphobia, so... It's not, like, a very light read, but I was just like, oh, my God, this is, like, the first time I've read a book that's about, like, a transmasculine person, and it's really interesting. I haven't really read any books that are about, like, not about queer women, so it was interesting to, like, read something different. Yeah, and from from the perspective of, of, of a transmask person as well, that's quite that's quite rare, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I guess they might have to like brace themselves to like read this book, but yes, the basic the basic plot is that Felix goes to this art school and is like struggling with his work and like not really sure what he wants to do in the future and has all this pressure because like if he wants to go to uni, he needs like a scholarship, um, and then he is like outed in this like artwork that another student puts up anonymously with like old pictures of him so that bit is like horrible um and then the rest of the book is kind of like him exploring his gender identity and because like he has some questions of like okay I know I'm trans but like sometimes I don't feel like being a man fits me and I thought that was really interesting as well because it's like a story about like gender that isn't focused on transition yeah 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 this one was like a show I'd love to see this as like a tv show yeah and who knows with the way things are going maybe it will be a tv show one day 
Yes. Like I've I've been watching Love Victor, which is like a spin-off of Love Simon. Mm-hmm. And this was like giving me that kind of vibes. Okay. Is it good, Love Victor? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good but it is for teenagers so yeah okay but it's short episodes and like it has the sister from ugly betty in it and i liked it okay um i remember i watched love simon and the opening scene has just really stuck with me because his opening monologue is like he's in this huge house with this like gorgeous family and he's like here i am with my family, I've just been given a car for my 16th birthday. <laughs> Here I am going to school in my car. I'm just like you and I, uh, <laughs> like any other regular kid, apart from one thing. I'm gay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I don't I, love you right now, Simon. <laughs> I think Love, Victor is more like, okay, well, what if this happened to someone who wasn't, like, extremely privileged? So... I found it interesting, and the theme song is so catchy. It's, like, always in my head. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Um, and also, would I be able to borrow Felix Ever After? Yes. You can borrow this. Yes, yes, yes. Brilliant. Thank you. And then I've just included one more, because this one is the only one with, like, an explicitly bisexual storyline. So this one is Perfect on Paper by Sophie Gonzalez, and she's written, I think, three books, and they're all with bisexual main characters. But this one is like an Irish sex education. So the main character Darcy has like a locker at school where people post in like relationship questions and then she like anonymously answers them by email. Um, I see. I see. <laughs> so it has a lot of like relationship self-help stuff, which I was like, oh my god, if I read this as a teenager, I would just be like so emotionally aware and amazing. Um, <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> I was like wow back in my day we just didn't say anything <laughs> like, yep <laughs> um, has a lot of like bisexual girls are still valid if they fancy guys and like in an explicit way that I haven't read in a book before it's another one that's like low level school drama but it's just cool to have a bisexual character for sure yeah and she's writing a book at the moment, which is about like two female contestants on a dating show falling in love. So I definitely want to read that one. That sounds terrific. <laughs> Side note, what I find quite interesting is if you read a book that's set in a specific setting and then you just find out all about that setting. I read I read a like a trashy period romance novel recently and I learned a lot about beekeeping. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I was like, I guess there's a romance going on as well, but the I just learned about how to take care of bees. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, tell me about like oh, or I went read um a YA romance novel that was about set design. Like the oh. protagonist was really to set design. Oh, I'd definitely like to read that. Yeah. Oh well, I can lend you that if you like. Yes, we can do a swap. But basically, I've realised why romance is great, and these are just like all the kind of books I would read when I was a teen. But now they're gay. Like, yeah, and there are so many of them, and they're coming out all the time. I know, literally. You've got bisexual people, you've got trans people, like non-binary love interest, never seen this, you know? It's wonderful. And, um, yeah, I just wish it was all out when I was a teenager, so I wouldn't have to <laughs> do <laughs> much intensive research to <laughs> some, like, gay content. I want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine who who is a writer, 
Mm-hmm. Have you come across uh, any of Britta London's books? No. Um, so she's she's just written one which is coming out soon that I'm really excited about, which is about a romance between two high school girls and one of them is a quarterback and one of them is a cheerleader. Oh my god, yes. Love that. I might have completely got that synopsis wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> it. And I'm so excited about it. So shout out to Britta and, and her books. <laughs> that's a great combo. I love it. Yeah. I just love that these books exist in the world and publishers are willing to publish them. Yeah, thank God. It's not... Uh, the thing is, I'm like, do, do people not realise that gay people also want to buy stuff? <laughs> like, I know, we don't have a ton of money, but we have some money. <laughs> we definitely have book money. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And yes, I'm very happy with my like completely purple, pink and orange romance book stack. Wonderful. And it looks great. I'm going to post a picture of it and see if anyone else has recommendations. And now I'm reading Last Night at the Telegraph Club. Mm -hmm. I think it's by Melinda Lowe. And that's set in the 1950s. But it's Mm -hmm. like queer romance between some teenagers. So I'm kind of like, maybe this will be different enough that I'm like, this is new. Yeah, that sounds good. Melinda Lowe. Didn't she used to write for After Ellen before it turned into a turf haven? I don't even know what that is. Oh, Never mind. This is old, old <laughs> internet stuff. <laughs> My brain starts at autostraddle. And autostraddle's only been around for 13 years. Isn't that crazy? 13 years? Oh, that's such a long time. Oh my god. It's so long, but also I'm like, what did people do before? Like Well, before Autostraddle, it was Reese, who is like the founder of Autostraddle, <laughs> writing L word recaps. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, I, I read those. So I was like around on the internet pre auto straddle. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> uh, please edit out all of this. <laughs> Why am I such an elder gay? I'll just do beep over the old. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I'm old, but I'm not like that old. But like, gay time is it's different in some ways yeah. it takes it's very slow moving in some ways it's very fast yeah you know because obviously I see my queer students and I'm like your experience is wildly different to to mine growing up queer in many ways in not that long a time mm. so it's interesting I honestly feel like at this point I could open like a queer YA library that's an achievement like, imagine if you're in the school library and you're like, here's the gay section. Even if you were like had to secretly take them out and read them, at least you would have them. Like, yeah. and that also I always think about like the number of books we read for like English A level that were literally like written by gay people or like about gay men falling in love at war. And they just like refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah, they just skipped it. Like, I remember, like, you know, Caroline Duffy's Warming Her Pearls is... Oh, um, we've read so much Caroline Duffy. I don't understand how they're like, this is the poet of the UK. Yes, she's a massive lesbian. No, we will not be talking about it. <laughs> like, Warming Her Pearls, they were like, it's about class. And it's like, it's also very, very homosexual. <laughs> Pearls? Warming them? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell? I mean, it does make sense because Margaret Thatcher was literally like, we'll kill you if you tell the teenagers that gay people exist. So yeah. it does make sense that they were like, yes, these authors are gay. 
no, they're not. Like, but also it was very confusing. I know. And it just makes you feel confused and doubting yourself. And like, am I the only one in the entire classroom thinking this way? <laughs> it's not it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not good. But it's also like, wow, you really hate gay people, but can you find any straight authors with talent? It appears you can't. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> They're like, the whole syllabus, it is gay people, yes. Because, like, Shakespeare, that's gay, in my opinion. Like, there's no way Shakespeare is straight. Oh, no. Um, and Twelfth Night's my favourite because it's queer, obviously. I haven't read that one. You know, there's some cross-dressing and then there's some falling in love with the wrong person in disguise and that kind of nice. thing. Nice. Classic. Yeah, we read Othello and obviously Romeo and Juliet is in my brain. I don't even know if we read it, but like, I feel like I've just absorbed it so much from like the general culture. Yeah, yeah. Plus the Baz Luhrmann movie. Iconic. I really want to watch that again, but it has such like a manic energy. I need to be in the right like headspace. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it again too. Because I keep thinking about the aesthetics of it. It's just so cool. Mm -hmm. Love it. When I was in high school, um, I was like, the teacher really liked me in English class. Um, Yes. (laughs) The gay, gay, like, stamp of approval. Yeah. So much so that at one point, there was a decision to be made about whether we were going to study Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet. And then the teacher asked me which I liked best. Oh my god, wow. You got the deciding vote. Which one did you pick? I said Macbeth. And then of course everyone was so upset that they couldn't watch the Leonardo (laughs) movie. (laughs) Whereas at the time I was like, I I don't want any of that sappy romance stuff. I want the bloodthirsty (laughs) Macbeth. So yeah, we did Macbeth and everyone was extremely resentful of stuff. (laughs) Okay. So for the tarot time, I'm basically just going to hover over my hand and then you tell me when to stop and I'll pick a card. Okay. Okay. I'm going. Now? You got the star, which is what Harper got last time. So I'm, I'm going to say you're not allowed that one. Oh. But I will tell you the meaning of it afterwards. That could... I, I That was a false start. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going for a second one. All right. Now. Oh, okay. This one you're getting two at the time. Okay. You're getting the Four of Pentacles and the Knight of Cups. So I'll just tell you a little about a little bit about all of them. Tell me. But I'm really bad at reading out loud. So, so the star is hope, blessings, and imagination. That sounds good. It's very good. And then the Knight of Cups. I think that one will be a good one. Charming, opportunity, flirtatious. Ooh. Love it. And then the Pentacles... I always think of them as like the earth sign suit. Um, the four of pentacles is about security, frugal, and possession. Okay. The four of pentacles is usually like you're being too stingy <laughs> and you need to be like living in luxury a bit more. Oh, this is music to my ears. I can spend some money on some household <laughs> items. <laughs> okay, let's see what Cassandra is saying. Yeah, the, the star is the one I got for Harper last time. And the star is basically, it's in the major arcana. How much do you know about tarot? Do you know? Anything? I know there's a major arcana and a minor arcana. Mm-hmm. And I know a few of the major ones. Because I, I designed a tarot card a while ago. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I made it 
Um, it was the hanged man, but I decided to make it queer and a bit kinky. <laughs> Love it. You're like being stuck. No, being in bondage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, the matriarchana is like the fool's journey. So you start off with the fool, and then you end up with the world, and they all they they all have like much bigger themes about like major stages in life. Wow, I had no idea. They all have a bit of a connection to like the order they're in. So the star comes after the tower, and the tower is one where like everything falls apart, but because it was built on like a shaky foundation. And then the star, Cassandra kind of talks about it as like emerging from the rubble, but acknowledging the rubble is there. I like this. I had no idea it was so um, complex and narrative and interconnected, you know? Um, I I thought you just had a look at one card and then that was like a finite amount of information that you could get from that one card, but... Oh, yeah. I think it really depends, like, because... It's weird because like the same cards come up for me quite a lot. I know a lot about them. And then there's some cards that I never get and I know nothing about. And it's much easier to remember the meaning of the major arcana ones because sometimes they give it away a little bit. Like the hermit is kind of obvious what that's about. (laughs) (laughs) And then I only remember the four of pentacles because Olivia gets that all the time. Do you end up having a card that you have an affinity for? Well, there was a time that I got the hermit like constantly. And that was before I had this book that, like, explained what it was about. And then, like, when I first got the book, I was like, oh, I'm just going to read what the hermit is because that always comes up. And before that, I would just read, like, the three words. Um, And it's all about – it's so sad, basically. It, like, said all this stuff about being, like, an outcast from your family and having to, like, forge your own path. And it's about, like, taking time to, like, reflect on things. And I was just like, damn. So it's not just staying in. It's not just staying in, because a lot of the time I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going out tonight. (laughs) But obviously it's like a lot deeper than that. So I guess the hermit, the hermit is one that is like, I guess some people could be afraid of. But for me, I'm like, I don't know. I like being given a reminder. It's like, okay, you can do everything on your own. And it's good to like, take time to reflect. But also it's, it was just difficult for me when I kept getting that one all the time. Yeah. I was getting like the hermit in the tower every time. And I was just like, I need a break. Okay, so she says, the star indicates hope. It shows illumination in a dark time, like a star guiding you home. And it's usually the image of a woman. And she's nourishing the earth and being nourished in return. So it's about like the cycle. Right, that sounds hot. You know, I've been thinking lately, um, it's just so clearly in the middle of a depressing winter right now but I feel spring is on the horizon I feel that way too because all my I'm really happy because I planted some tulip bulbs and they're coming up yeah I can't wait for spring I was like convinced that they were just going to go mushy and die but they have arisen that's great news okay I'm not going to read out the whole of the star just because I read that out last time so I know that's kind of unfair on you but that's what's happening fair enough (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's find out more about the Knight of Cups. Okay. So this is just everyone fancies you, I think. That's the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) One, nine, three. The Knight fights for everything present in the cup suit. So the cups are usually about emotion. Mm. Um, So emotional healing, love, and creative pursuits. And the card has a seductive side, which is often painted in a bad light. But obviously that's because, like, some tower is very, like, traditional. 
So this knight is not trying to break hearts. If anything, they're trying to nurture and heal them. This knight just wants to love and to occasionally have that love returned to them. That is adorable. I love it. Uh, this means other people, but it also means coming to terms with themselves and falling in love with themselves. It also means creating art that people love and finding romance and beauty in everything from the morning sunrise to a pile of trash. <laughs> I mean, who among us have not fallen in love with someone that is trash? <laughs> it happens. Oh, I was thinking literally. I'm always taking artistic pictures of, you know, the contents of a skip that I pass in the street. <laughs> that's butch culture (laughs) (laughs) okay that sounds like a really nice one i'm happy with that everything you've told me is basically i'm reading it as spring is coming i'm gonna have a really lovely time everyone's gonna feel frisky and joyful and um it's gonna be wonderful i love it and i'm gonna see some beautiful trash on the street (laughs) okay i'm just reading to see if there's anything else in this one it just sounds like a great time. She's saying, this is your best life. This is your best self. I love it. Yeah, the nights are usually like, you're on a good path when that's happening. Okay, so the four of pentacles. This one is upside down, but this book doesn't have upside down readings. Okay. So some people like read the card in reverse. So they basically read the reverse meaning, but I'm just like, I don't shuffle my cards properly. So if they're upside down, it does not mean anything particularly. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay, let's see. Four of Pentacles denotes success, but it's one that I've always had a hard time connecting with. The figure pictured in traditional tarot is holding onto his coins tightly, refusing to let anyone else touch them and refusing to take chances or move forward in his own life for fear of losing them. This card is about conservatism and worse yet, stinginess. It's a card that leads to loneliness and it indicates a very unpleasant, if technically successful, life. Okay. I don't like any of that. Yeah, this is not good. But this was like the last one. So maybe this is the financial ruin that's going to come to you after your spring of love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, okay. Um, it'll be worth it. Let's see. Okay, so it's not always about money, though, because obviously she's saying it can be about being generous of heart and spirit as well. So it can be indicative of someone who wants to open their heart but can't, or someone that's, like, holding their their cards close to their chest and being too mysterious. Oh, I am incapable of being mysterious at all. So um, I don't know what that's about. I kind of think no one considers themselves mysterious, though, right? Right. Apart from maybe teenagers. <laughs> the least mysterious among us. <laughs> okay, it sometimes can relate to someone else in your life. Okay, so they might, might not be able to let you in. Okay, because they can't trust you. Interesting. I see. Okay. Okay, but it says if they need a therapist, that's not your job. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every queer processing conversation involves that sentence at least once really like oh it's not your job (sighs) yeah I feel like the queer community is just like people who go to therapy and then people who should go to therapy and do yeah um but then maybe that's true true of the straight community as well but (laughs) I would say the the percentages are probably different Mm -hmm. yeah in the straight community maybe no one goes to therapy (laughs) (laughs) apologies to my straight friends (laughs) it's so funny the other day I made a post that was like 
I have one straight friend. And then one of my friends was like, are you talking about me? I was like, I have two straight friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, you forgot them. (laughs) No, it's just some people I just forget that they're straight. Like I I pick up on the cues, you know, like if someone says something that I'm like, "Mm, that's a bit gay. I'm like, okay, store that. Maybe they'll have something to tell me later down the line. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have a few friends who are just, just so straight, just heterosexual through and through, but everyone else is a maybe. Yeah. This is the thing. I I take everyone as gay until proven otherwise. Yeah. So kind of the opposite of what straight people do, but sometimes I'm kind of on the fence. Yeah. But I tell you what, when I lived in Portland, Oregon, everyone was definitely queer until proven otherwise. That's iconic. <laughs> queer and poly until proven otherwise. Oh no, it must be a nightmare over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. That just sounds like such a mess, but also quite fun. Yeah. I mean, I should, I should, um, I'm still in the Facebook group, Queer Exchange Portland. And like, obviously I don't need anything off there. <laughs> You know, I don't need anyone's kombucha starter. But I'm there <laughs> for the drama, which is intense. What? There's drama on the, like, swap group? How is yes. that real? Yes. They're like, that's my ex's blah, blah, blah. You can't put that on the swap group. Something like that. One time someone put up um, for exchange some, like, bananas that were almost gone off. They were like, does someone want to make banana bread? <laughs> But then that's something that I'm always looking for because sometimes I want to make banana bread but I only have one banana that's gone weird and I need one more. Maybe that's a sensible thing. I saw that and I was like, stop trying to palmy rotten bananas off on the queers of Portland. But maybe you're right that actually that is a practical thing to do. Because there's always someone out there who's like, oh, I really want to make banana bread. But you don't. It's not something that you can make any time because you can't go and buy bananas that are like past their best, you know? Well... Maybe for me, I never managed to eat but the bananas in time. So you always have banana bread potential. I do. That's quite good. Okay, I feel like your tarot was nice and positive. It was. You just got to be wary of being stingy with your emotions or money. Right. That last that last card has given me a lot to look out for. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I might I might get myself a tarot card, but just because I haven't done one for ages. Do it. And I just want to see what it's saying for me. Because me and Olivia used to do it in the evening, but we never do it anymore. We're just watching The Apprentice. (laughs) And hopefully I won't get a mean one. I always like to pull cards from the middle, but I feel like, oh, I've got death. Okay, great. But is is death one of those ones where you think it's bad, but actually it means renewal and flowers coming up and stuff like that? Let's see. So this one says ending loss and new beginnings. And I don't think I've read Cassandra's version of this for a while. Yeah, she says, death gets a bad reputation, but everything good that's come to me has come after a significant and painful ending. Doors close, relationships die, and we become new people over time. Yeah, some people love endings and new beginnings and become addicted to the energy of the death card. Oh, wow. Most people look upon these times of fear, regret, and sadness, but sometimes they can lead to rebirth and reinvention. And be followed by intense joy. Huh. How do you feel about that? I mean, I am in therapy, so I'm dying every week. (laughs) (laughs) Arising from the ashes. That is very cool and dramatic. (laughs) I don't know. I can't think of anything like practical that's coming to an end. But 
I'd like to be moving into a next stage of my life, I guess. And I guess the storm is like destroying everything right now. That's true. And we've just had the full moon. Yeah, there's a lot of like sexy storm energy, you know. Oh, the drilling's back. Do you want to go first with your agenda item? Sure, yeah. So my agenda item is somewhat nebulous and unformed, but um, I've just been thinking lately about how everyone always seems to have said, wouldn't it be great if queer community could also happen in a place that wasn't to do with alcohol? So as in queer socialising, not in a bar. And... um, I feel like I'm just seeing several examples of that happening around me um, in Leeds and with people I know, and I just think it's great. I don't think I ever had too strong of a thought about, I mean, I'm quite happy hanging out at a bar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's there's our book club, um, Leeds Queer Book Club. There's Leeds Queer Hiking Club. And, and I just see other little things popping up where people are like hanging out and playing board games or yeah going for a little walk or reading books or going for a little walk and reading books Um, double whammy mm -hmm. because i see that the bookish type has has just started a new group where people go for a walk and discuss a book at the same time i know it's so cute olivia told me about it yesterday and i was like oh my god we can go together yeah um it's just it's just lovely and um it's another example of the fact that i think it is possible to just make things happen. Um, and I wonder if Leeds as a city sort of lends itself to this because I just think Leeds is like the perfect size of city where it's big enough that there are plenty of people around to join in on whatever activity you come up with, but small enough that you can still get things started. Um, yeah. Leeds is like the city of the cooperative as well. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like if you want to start a little venture or start a cooperative, this is the city to do it in. And, um, yeah, I'm just, it's just giving me the warm fuzzies. And there's, like, loads of students in Leeds who always need stuff to do. So I feel like you have a good base of people to draw from. Yeah, that is that is very true. Um, students have loads of energy. You know, they're not, like, uh, <laughs> jaded and sleepy like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's nice to be, like, actually you can start your own thing. Because I think starting something is, like, the hardest bit. And I think, especially when you're like, oh, I really want to start this thing, but then you, like, get worried about what if it doesn't work or, like, what if no one turns up? And, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, well, if you want it, maybe other people want it too because, like, yeah, lots of people like books, lots of people like going on walks. Mm -hmm. And I guess, like, in the pandemic, I guess people have, like, I think we had a lot of time to think about how we used to spend our time and, like, things that we like to do and things that we were missing doing with people. And I guess it's nice to have like a regular thing going on like book club definitely was my main social event of the pandemic like for sure yeah it was major for me um because it it marked the passage of time and it was something to look forward to and um it was a way to stay connected with people in a routine reliable way that you could count on um so that was major for me and it's nice knowing that people will always show up to things even people you don't know. Yeah, I mean, in terms of getting scared about starting something, um, you just have to see it from the outside, you know. Like, if you're someone joining in on an activity, you're like, oh, these are, like, 
smart people who know about these things and I'm like coming to them and you know they're like very cool and organized and established but then of course like the people who run the organization probably feel like disorganized and like imposters <laughs> but they're just doing it anyway so and and you know every organization every event everything has to start somewhere doesn't it yeah I kind of felt like I don't know it's, it still surprises me that people actually listen to my podcast and like I gen- when I started I was like if 10 people listen to it that is like worthwhile yeah and I literally like counted out like people that I knew that I thought might listen to it like as a friendship like favor almost do you know what I mean I was like yeah. okay maybe these people will listen to it and like that will be good and like obviously I don't have like, a massive listenership or whatever but like the fact that people I don't know listen to it just always like makes me happy and like is a surprise to me um and yeah literally anyone can just make a podcast and some people really shouldn't make a podcast like annoying men um (laughs) but you can just do whatever you want and like for a while I was like oh I want to do something creative like my job is so boring like maybe I can start a blog but like any form of writing like I just become too much of a perfectionist and like I'd be staring at the blank page before me looking out the dirty window do you know what I mean I would be (laughs) just stuck and I wouldn't be able to start but then I was like, oh, I like talking. I like talking about gay stuff. Like, it all came together. Yeah, and here you are. And, of course, you know, your listeners are participants in the project. Um, yeah. And also, you know, if you do something that you're interested in, um, other people with that interest will just find you, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just have to trust that what you're interested in is genuinely cool, which it is. <laughs> and it'll all work out. It will all work out. And the good thing is gays are very reliable so it's like if you make anything that's gay it's like the gays will be there oh yeah totally very loyal very loyal consumers of of um any media to do with queerness sorry my mind's just gone off a tan on a tangent thinking about how sometimes you'd get an actress who plays a lesbian once and then like the queer women will love her and <laughs> watch every single movie she's in however shit it is uh literally me just like waiting for the day that what even is her name I know her face so well the one who's in disobedience Rachel Weiss, Rachel is that Weiss. Who's yeah I'm waiting for the day that she's like I'm gay I'm just waiting for it I know it's coming we're all waiting for that day um have you read the reductress article that is entitled um woman cozily sipping cup of coffee um on the sofa secretly thinking about how she wants Rachel Weiss to completely rail her. <laughs> I haven't read the article, but I have seen it many times and being like, I agree. Totally. I've probably said it wrong, but um, that's the gist of it. Can you remember the actual title? I have no idea. It's definitely gang railed. Something about gang railed. The entire article is just variations on that. It's, it's pretty great. Reductress um, really never misses. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, Rachel Weiss, ever since she was in The Mummy, is is just... She was a bisexual icon. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been thinking lately I should rewatch The Mummy. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but like, I'm sure I have seen it, but it will have been so long ago that now I don't remember. I'm going to write it down because I have a list of like cheesy films I want to watch. Yeah. I had the, a, a poster uh, from The Mummy on my teenage bedroom wall. That's gay. I had a friend who worked at the Odeon who could like give me posters, and uh, yeah, in retrospect, definitely gay. 
<laughs> oh my god do, like i don't know if this is your age bracket but did you listen to s club seven um i don't think i listened to them but you know i'm aware of i'm aware of them did you have a favorite member um i think it's the one who turned out to be racist or something awful oh fuck <laughs> joe oh i was just thinking the other day like hey it's kind of gay that i was like i love tina and rachel and i'm like Hmm, yes, I love the femmes of the group. Yeah, I think the blonde one just was giving me like very, very slightly butch vibes, but then she turned out to be a piece of shit. <laughs> that's such a shame. But yeah, she is giving gay vibes. I mean, like, that's like as butch as you could get, like, in the public eye yeah. in yeah. that time. It was just, she just had a stance about her and she was wearing like cargo pants, obviously. Yes. With everybody. Um, I mean, maybe we should look that up because I may be misremembering completely and I don't want to slander a member of Oh, no, I definitely remember that as well. So unless it's like a collective bad memory, I think it's true. Okay. What if we had done the Bernstein Bears effect about a member of this <laughs> <laughs> This actually leads me to my agenda because me and Olivia watched Encanto last night. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well, basically... Me and Olivia both misheard the first song and thought that her dad was gay for the whole film. Because (laughs) (laughs) the line is, two guys fell in love, and then there's a line break, with the family Madrigal. So then basically, those two guys each married one of the sisters. Oh, I see. But to me, two guys fell in love, and you see the two guys together, they're husbands. That seems like a deliberate line break. I mean, queer people must work for Disney, right? Yeah, but like then the whole time I was like, okay, so that guy is her gay uncle. But then it was her dad. And I was like, what? So the whole time I was like, where's his boyfriend? Because he was also like, oh, because like, okay, so the family is magic, but everyone else in the town is not magic. Right. And then there's one girl, the main character in the family who isn't magic. So he was talking to her being like, oh, when, like, me and your Tio joined the family, like, we didn't have any magic either. And I'm like, yeah, they're gay husbands who don't have any magic. <laughs> like, we just have magic of gayness. It's not true. But, yeah, I was so bamboozled. But I was just sad because I'd read loads of reviews about it being like, oh, my gay heart loves this. Like, oh, we love the gay uncle. Um, so I really thought it had gay stuff in it. But the gay stuff that was there was only, like, in the eyes of the gay beholder. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. I wouldn't even say it was subtext, but I do understand, like, the family member who's estranged and lived, like, okay, wait, I'm not going to spoil it. There's a spoiler. I'm not going to say it. But if you're the estranged family member, you're probably also gay, so. I am going to watch this. It's really good. And also, you know, I I have some friends with kids, so I want (laughs) to, I guess I want to know what they're interested in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you've got to be up to date. Apparently it's like surpassed Frozen and on the charts and like la la la. I hear this. Well, I enjoy Frozen. Frozen, Elsa's gay, right? Well, that's what everyone says, but like, she is not. Like... I know. Well, Disney's never gonna... Yeah. But her song is gay. And then I watched Moana. That's very good. That made me cry. And then the actress who plays Moana is bisexual. So <gasps> I would say Moana is bi. Okay, wonderful. I really like Moana. It's weird, like, after watching Encanto, now I just have all the Moana songs back in my head. (laughs) So I think it's because I don't, like, I've only seen Encanto once, so I can't remember the songs. 
but they were very good and it was unlike you know some disney films they only have one song and they just sing that song loads of times but this one like every character has their own song basically yeah so I, it's fun. I was never a disney kid so i like i've never seen the little mermaid for example <gasps> i know what were you doing what were you doing <sighs> i don't know what i was doing i watched home alone many times I didn't watch Home Alone until like three years ago, so maybe you only get one. Um, I did watch Fantasia a lot when I was a kid, which is some trippy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Some Disney's are like really scarring and scary. Like, have you seen Dumbo? Because Dumbo really scared me. I saw it once and was terrified. (laughs) (laughs) It's really scary. Yeah, I like The Little Mermaid, and The Little Mermaid has gay villains, so that's fun. I know about Ursula. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's on Divine, right? Yes. I mean, I have to know the the gay law, <laughs> at least. That's good. You know, you know the gay Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what my favorite. I didn't have like a Disney film that I was obsessed with as a kid, but I was watching them all, and we had them all on video. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, basically, my agenda is: I'm sad that Encanto wasn't gay, and it should have been gay because I wouldn't have battled the eyelid if her dad was gay or her uncles were gay. And I'm kind of sad because I'm wondering, like, are we? Am I going to see in my lifetime like a a gay official di- gay Disney character? <sighs> I mean, we can only hope. I hope so. It doesn't even have to be the main character. I'm not asking for much, but like, just somebody, just one gay that they're like, yes, that is gay, rather than I don't know, because I feel like with Elsa they try to say that she was, but then they're like, girl power, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, you know, we've, we've, we're very good at reading subtext and we'll take these films for what they can give us. Yes. And Stephanie Beatrix is bisexual as well. So yeah. in theory, the main character is also bi. Oh, I, I love her. She's, she's great in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's so scary and sexy. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because one of the reviews I read was that like her voice is literally different in every project she does and it's true because her voice in Encanto is not the same as like her normal speaking voice so she must just be really good at changing her voice (laughs) yeah uh and she's very different in Brooklyn Nine-Nine she was just um in in the heights um and she was completely different in that as well it really blows my mind that people are actors It actually scares me. Like, I would never date an actor because I'm like, how can I tell if you're lying? I know. It's like, how can I trust you? And obviously, you know, it, I think sometimes if you've seen someone play a gay role and then you see them in a different movie, you feel somewhat betrayed. Oh my God. <laughs> Completely. This upset. is how I felt like when David, when like David Tennant had been Doctor Who. And when I was a kid, I like really fancied him when he was Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And I fancied him and um, Billy Piper at the same time. Obviously. What a beautiful program for you to watch. So gorgeous. Um, but yeah, then I saw him being like a baddie, because obviously he's the baddie in um God, I'm such a baby calling them the baddie, <laughs> but he's the baddie in Jessica Jones, <gasps> right? And yeah. that watch that. Could you cope with that? I watched like a few episodes and I was like, this is actually so horrendous. It's actually it's really it's interesting because it is a very interesting and good portrayal of like an abusive relationship. Like true it's very like yeah that is how it is like obviously we don't have magical powers but that's what's happening but yeah when I saw him being a baddie and he was so scary like now I can't trust David Tennant and I honestly think he's like a mass murderer even though he's probably super nice 
but when someone who's always good plays a baddie or like is always bad plays a goodie it's hard it is hard yeah it's almost enough to make you think maybe i shouldn't be emotionally attached to these people (laughs) ah the concept of celebrity (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i by the way, I watched the full season of Jessica Jones that had David Tennant in it, and I got literal nightmares about David Tennant. <laughs> I wake up being like, David Tennant's here. He's going to tell me to jump off a roof. <sighs> it was so scary, but I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know. The miracle of acting, it really blows my mind, but like, what the fuck? Yeah. By the way, I, I love that you and I are both um, sensitive souls. <laughs> I know you're like the only person who isn't in my family who is also a scaredy cat just like me <sighs> it's okay I consider myself like a movie buff well, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a slightly asshole thing to say but yeah I like the movies I like tv I like culture and I feel like there's so much stuff that I'd like to watch but I can't because it's too scary that's why I love Letterboxd because if there's something that's come out that I want to like be in the conversation of I just read all the reviews of it and then I'm like, I can say, I've, well, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I've seen it, but I'm like, okay, I feel like I get the sitch. And also, I don't know. Yeah, there is definitely things I, oh, sorry, I would like to see, but I'm too scared. Like, I've never seen The Matrix. Oh, I saw but The Matrix many, many, many times. I had a Matrix poster on my childhood bedroom or two. It's something that I'm considering giving a go. Well, I'm pretty sure I still know it off by heart. So if you want someone to watch The Matrix with you, I can I can help. Or you can just do like a live reenactment of it if you do the whole thing. <laughs> I could. I definitely could. Yeah. I have certain people in my life who I consider, you know, my favourite horror movie proxies. And um, I'll get them to explain in great detail what happens in a particular movie. So, for example, I know a lot about the movie Hereditary because I've gotten more than one person to explain what happens in it. Just so I can be up on the discourse. Yeah, I want to be involved, but I also I'm I know how scared I am, and this is like the one thing that prevents me and Amelia being the same person, like <laughs> because they love horror and okay, they also love gaming, which I obviously know nothing about. But we could have just been one and the same. A while back, I needed some comfort viewing, and Parks and Recreation usually does it for me. But sometimes, like the mild peril in Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Is too much for me <laughs> already, and by that I mean, are they going to win the city council election or not? <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's strange, you know. I'm I'm quite an emotionally resilient person, but I'm way too sensitive in other ways. That's the thing, because I'm like, I've actually been through some shit in my life, and I was fine. So I'm kind of like, there was like a point in Encanto where I hit my eyes, <laughs> like. And it's for six plus. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just get carried away. Yeah, I mean, what it is is you're in the you're in the world of the movie so much that if something awful is about to happen in that world, you're too in it. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't, I think it's because I have a weird relationship to reality. Anyway, I very readily accept different reality as real. When I read a book, I'm like, that's where I'm living from for now. I guess you know. Totally. Which is why sometimes when people say that, you know, oh my God, this book, I, I read it in a in a day. I I hear that and I think, you lived inside the world of that book for an entire day. How did you recover from that? <laughs> How did you get anything else done? This happened to me when I read Gone Girl, because I read <laughs> Gone Girl when everyone was talking about it. 
So I don't know when that would have been. It would have been like a couple of, when did it come out? Let me have a Google. They're telling me the film is as a book. That's rude. Okay, the film was 2014, but basically I started reading the book and I was like, oh my God, this is so intense and scary. I'm going to have to read it as quick as I can so I can get out of here. Yeah. And it was really good and I'm glad I read it because it is a really good book. But I was, my heart was racing for those like three days. And that's how I feel about Killing Eve as well. Because Killing Eve is like a bit too scary for me, but I really like it. So I just watch it over like three days and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to be like kind of having a panic attack, but we're going to get through it. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) I really want to watch it because Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer are just, they're on fire. They're amazing. And obviously I want them to kiss. Um, <laughs> but then they keep stabbing each other instead. <laughs> I know. I really cool. need someone to like, I need that to be a YouTube channel that's like, this movie without the scary bits. You know? Like, yeah. I need the Killing Eve that is actually just like a slice of life, <laughs> mild rom-com, you know? That's exactly... I mean, I, I think YouTube used to be for that, you know? YouTube was, people, was like brave lesbians making fan edits of TV shows just showing you the queer content. Yeah, like Skins. Yeah. Like so when you, they had the, I never watched Skins, but I definitely have watched like a compilation of the lesbians. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so if they could do that and edit, edit out any scary content as well, that would be great. 